Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie, and we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Hello. Oh boy, do we have a great show for you today. First, we're talking about millennial moms and why we're tired of trying to be perfect. Damn skippy. Then we're recapping the best things we've watched this summer. You know I love a what to watch thing. As always, we have our hashtag swag bag and up next, take it away, small child. Kicking shit. You know, there's only so many like, the summer was great tits and shits we can do. And I know I run out of ideas for those things. So I wanted to pose a question that I've seen taking place a lot on TikTok. And that is, who is better, Beyonce or Taylor Swift? Better at what? Music, giving a concert? Just general overall, who is the better performer? I mean, I prefer Beyonce. Same. And for me, there's not even a thinking about it. But I think T-Swift's control over the population is stronger. But this is the point, right? This summer, there's been a lot of talk about how Taylor Swift weaponizes feminism against women. And I agree with that statement. Anytime any woman doesn't agree with Taylor Swift, doesn't like what Taylor Swift does, the whole like Swifty army goes after that person and says like, you're not a feminist because you're judging somebody for dating a lot or this, that or the other. That aside, just in terms of musicianship, talent, performance, catalog, I think Beyonce, without a doubt, is the superior performer. T-Swift and the Kardashians remind me of the same kind of thing. Not that Beyonce isn't calculated, because girl is. Absolutely is. You have to be. But I believe that Taylor Swift is calculated on another level, which we saw in the documentary about her not wanting to talk about her presidential candidate because of her roots in country music. I feel like she could be run by a momager. It's the same thing. Like, do I think that Kardashians as a group are extremely successful successful and brilliant. Yeah. Do I think they're artists? No. All right. I think Beyonce is more of an artist than T-Swift. I'm not saying Taylor Swift is not an artist. She is. But I feel like it's so very calculated and so having to do with numbers and what's popular. And I feel like Beyonce is a little bit more of her own machine. And so for that alone, I like Beyonce better. If we even take away all the shtick and all the gimmick and all the calculation of both of them, the vocals alone for Beyonce are just leaps and bounds beyond Taylor Swift. I wept multiple times watching Lemonade. It was a beautiful piece of art. I see what you're saying about Taylor Swift and the Kardashians could essentially be run by the same momager type thing. I agree totally, but I would substitute the momager with like Russian bot. Both the Kardashian and Taylor Swift camps are so what's going to stir the pot? What's going to get people talking that it's not 
even about the actual music. And I think we've talked about this on the show before. Let's look at Taylor Swift and Beyonce. They're both pandering to the LGBTQIA plus community. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's great that there are artists who want to be inclusive. I just think pander is a... I'm sticking with my word pander. Okay. Because they are pandering. So with Taylor Swift, it's the Easter eggs about Carly Kloss, or now they're saying Zoe Kravitz. And Diana Agron. Right. Or doing the trans flag hair in that one video, or Lavender Hayes having a transgender person be the love interest. And Beyonce panders in her own way. Renaissance is basically a ballroom album, which made some people hate it. I personally love it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with appealing to those audiences, but I feel like Beyonce does it in a way that makes those parts of the LGBT community accessible to everybody that would have otherwise been kind of underground, kind of niche, kind of like what Madonna did with Vogue in the 80s. She illuminates some corners that might have been dark to others. Absolutely. And I know that that's probably an issue for some people. I don't see it that way. I think it's lovely that we can all come together and celebrate this beautiful part of this community and enjoy it and revel in it together. I love Renaissance. I think it's a great album. Where Taylor Swift, when she panders, it's all about, are you guys going to talk about me? Are you going to talk about me? Do you think I'm gay? Am I bi? I don't know. I guess I'll just leave these Easter eggs. One feels celebratory and one feels manipulative. I think people of different generations are going to answer that question differently. I'm sure they are. This is just my personal opinion. I can't speak for everybody. But what I have found really interesting, these two women in conjunction with the Barbie movie, they're being credited with saving our economy and it's all these female driven things and that's fantastic. But it really has started this whole conversation about there are girls and Swifties who are getting so upset that people are crediting Beyonce with this. Longtime listeners of the show, when we've done our deep dives on Blake Lively, and if you want a reference, please listen to the Beyond the Blinds, the Blake Lively one. I think it's no coincidence that Taylor Swift and Blake Lively are best friends. They're both extremely calculated people who will do whatever it takes to get the maximum amount of impact in the way that they want to be seen. Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. And also, let's not forget, Blake Lively comes from an acting family from LA. Taylor Swift comes from a music family. To my understanding, she actually comes from a very wealthy financial family. Okay. She was flying on private jets before she was, as we know her. This is not just some cute young girl who knew how to play the guitar. I mean, that's how they packaged her, but that's not the reality. That was not the reality. She is a Nepo baby in her own ways. Not that there's anything wrong with Nepo babies. Wish I was one. Me too. Amen. Anyway, if you have any other tits and shits you'd like to share, that was mine. Well, the only thing that I would like to say is I thought that Bob Barker was already dead. I love the Bob Barker memes about leave it to Bob Barker to being the closest to getting to 100 without going over. Yeah. Any kid who stayed home from school and watched The Price is Right when they were sick understands this. There's this whole Mandela theory that Bob Barker was actually already dead. I would have sworn he was already dead. How confusing. That's my tits and my shits is that I'm just like, I would have sworn that he was dead. But I mean, I would not bet the house that Bob Barker had died before. There's an episode of The Office where they're all trying to remember Stanley, the older black guy on the show, they're trying to remember if he has a mustache or not. You know how many times I've watched The Office from beginning to end. Every time it comes to that episode, I'm like, but does he? 
This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This article is called Millennials Are Tired of Trying to Be the Perfect Moms. It is from the Washington Post. I just felt like it was really timely because that's why Momtourage exists. Right. It came from a place where Carrie and I were new moms. We got cast at Scary Mommy, and it was a very similar show with the same premise. And we really felt like we needed to continue a space like this for women like ourselves because, for me, I was so tired of seeing the beige Instagram moms. This article touches on that. I'm going to bullet point most of it, but I want to read this one quote to kick us off. Great. So it says, for generations, mothers have shouldered the weight of an illusory ideal, the daunting societal standards that shape our perception of what motherhood should be. This pressure is particularly acute for millennial moms who arrived at parenthood in the age of social media with a deluge of imagery and information constantly at their fingertips. There are parenting forums and TikTok stars and experts and influencers discussing what the latest study reveals about screen time, how you should respond when your child has an emotional outbursts, why the colors you chose to decorate a child's bedroom might affect their mental health. There are friends and fellow parents posting carefully curated snapshots of their family lives. They go on to say millennial culture is so driven by consumption and demonstration of one's values through aesthetics that they think we've always been performing motherhood for various audiences, but with the advent of social media, it feels as though we are on stage at all times. Yes. Polls of millennial moms show that the impact of this inescapable messaging that they have internalized the importance of being the perfect mom, that they are extremely stressed and adept at hiding that stress even from their own families. Yeah, bruh. They confess that they are exhausted by this perpetual ambient pressure and eager to escape it. I personally don't feel like I'm ever hiding it. I feel like I'm always like, yeah, I'm stressed out, having a hard time juggling all of this. And again, this is why momtourage exists. It keeps us honest. It's why we started it, but it's self-perpetuating. Absolutely. So this echoes a subtle shift that they have noticed in certain corners of the digital realm. More parents, including celebrities and influencers, are sharing glimpses of their own vulnerability and imperfections. Hi, we should have been included in this article. Obviously, but also that's a kind of addiction too. Yes, absolutely. Some are talking about bigger concerns that affect their children and the world they'll inhabit, like public health inequity, systemic racism, gun violence, and climate change. More millennial moms are rejecting the impossible expectation that their parenting must somehow be perfect when their lives and their world are most certainly not. They're finding that people just have less of an appetite for these picture-perfect ideals of motherhood and that it's also part of this post-pandemic world. So depending on your own layers of marginalization, you're already acutely aware of systemic injustices. But the pandemic made even the most privileged of us have to look at this because we were being impacted when our care infrastructure crumbled. And for that, thank God, because it needed to be illuminated anyway. Truly, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm grateful for the pandemic, but what I am grateful 
grateful for is the fact that my husband only works in an office two days a week and actually is a father that his son knows. And I think a lot of families agree with that. Freeing oneself from the pressure of perfection requires some measure of letting go. Like most of life's biggest commitments, it's a choice that isn't made only once, but every day. These course corrections can feel easier to make alongside like-minded fellow parents. Or a podcast. Right. So one of the moms in the article said that what she's giving up on is fretting over her children's grades, keeping her house looking immaculate, and maintaining every adult friendship the way she could. She says, I try to accept my limits with grace and humor. Some days are better than others. So I wanted to ask you, Carrie. Yes. What are some of the perfect motherhood ideals that you have found yourself letting go of, which really works with last episode where you said you're done with giving a shit? The kind of lunches I pack now. We've joked since the beginning of Momtrage and during Scary Mommy that I had this idea of umami palette, perfect lunches and not letting my kid eat too much sugar and being a really conscious, less screen time parent. We're actually coming back to the less screen time parent. Us too. I still am allowing myself grace, but I see how it's affecting him. We're back on that train, except for right now because we're trying to record and my kid isn't in school yet. And so I need to use the screen. And that's what I mean by the grace. Sometimes you just got to make it work. In general, she doesn't eat the way that I thought she was going to eat. She's like the absolute opposite for you. I'm really done with trying to recreate a new amazing meal every day. And especially now that I'm in school and I am having to teach and be in school and do all these different things, I don't have time. So that's a big thing. Also, some things I haven't gotten loose on, like our house is still pretty much a grown-up house with kids' things in it, but the bespoke toys and not having plastic toys and that stuff, I've gotten looser on that because we accumulate things and people want to buy stuff and I don't want to be that jerk that's constantly like you can't buy this my daughter doesn't do that kind of thing right those are the main things that I can think of I'm sure there's more but right now that's where I'm thinking what about you for me the screen time one is really the most difficult because on one hand he and I have spent so much time this summer but I also feel like he spent a lot of screen time this summer because I have to get things done and I can't give him my undivided attention and I've tried to get him to go in his room and play with actual toys. He never wants to do that. All he wants is his iPad and his games or his Switch. So I'm trying to be more aware of it and not completely throw caution to the wind, but that's one I have to care a little bit about. Yeah, my house is often messy. Not dirty, but messy. And it's not all kid mess. It's our mess too. And it's been hectic. I mean, we came back from a trip two days ago and we're going on another one tomorrow. So it's like packing and doing laundry and things just get thrown all over the place. Those are kind of the biggest ones. That conversation you have with other parents where it's introductory and you're just meeting each other and it's like no but my kid's a really good kid I'm tired of having that conversation I don't have that conversation (laughs) right I don't need to prove it to you you have eyes and ears you can either see he's a good kid or not see a good kid I don't need to prove shit to you I wonder that same question myself I don't know is she maybe I hope so but you know jury's out and also buying the best stuff for my kid is another thing that I'm kind of over. You guys love the Tony box. We love it. I bought it because I was like, oh, this is great. Everyone has this thing. Sebastian will love it too. Didn't like it. Never used it. Used it two times. I just sold it because what's the point of hanging on to it? We listen to it every single day. He never did. He was not interested in it. He loves that stupid lava lamp you got him. God bless. So you guys let us know what are you giving up on being perfect with as a parent? You can send that to us at hello at momtrash podcast or send us a DM. Maybe we'll start a little like this is the things we no longer will do. The momtrage 
Declaration of Parenting Independence. Favorite things we watched. I'm going to change it from watch to took in this summer because I even have a book on here. Oh, look at you. Entertainment, we really enjoyed. I'm going to start with a very controversial one that I think a lot of people won't agree with me on. I think And Just Like That got good this season. Lee did too. I disagree. I mean, I still hate Che. I wish Che was not on the show. Che adds nothing to the storyline other than it made Miranda question her sexuality. That's it. Hate Che. I really enjoyed Harry and Charlotte. Did you see the season finale? No, but you can go ahead. Okay. I thought that Kim Cattrall, as much as I love Samantha, and the show definitely feels like it's missing her, I thought that cameo was so poorly done. It felt so weird and unnecessary and out of nowhere. Bad, bad, bad. But I really loved the storyline for the newer woman, not the one that's like replacing Samantha, the black woman. I don't know her name as an actress. I don't know the character's name. But her storyline about her career finally taking off and being pregnant, and then she missed carries and she feels a lot of guilt about it. That was so well done. I know Romper wrote some op-ed about how the fact that she felt guilty was bullshit. No, a lot of women feel guilty from their miscarriage. Absolutely. I have not had one. I have and I did feel guilty. I thought there was something more I could have done. What if I didn't do this? All the things. And the character feels it because she isn't happy that she's pregnant. She cries and she says, my career is finally taking off. And to deny even a character feeling that guilt. I feel like anyone that would say that that didn't make sense never had a miscarriage. No, it's not that they said it didn't make sense. They said that in 2023, that should not be the storyline we're putting out. I disagree. This is where I understand conservatives and their anti-wokeism a little bit. That's a natural human reaction. And we should be allowed that. Yeah. We should be allowed to have a complex emotion. That doesn't mean that she should feel guilty, but she should be allowed to. I think if you write a story about that, it's illuminating it and giving it freedom. We're not promoting that that's a positive way to feel. I think it's more of an illumination that people might feel that way. And let's work through that feeling. Yep. I actually really like the storyline about Carrie and Aiden coming back together. I know that they are now not together, but even though I was never an Aiden gal, I was happy to see Carrie grow from a commitment phobe, somebody who's scared of these things, to just being like, if you have love, go after it with everything you got. I thought it was really nice. I liked it. Here's one we all agree on. Crappy Lake. Ugh. It's the television that all of us need. It is a little bit of a break from the aliens. Yep. They were meant to do this. Crappy Lake was everything it was supposed to be. This is their Olympics. They're in their lane. They're moisturized. They're doing all of the things. Yep. It really is a joy. The episodes are short enough. That was my one issue. I thought they were too short. I did not think it should have been a half hour show. I'm tired. So I watched two and I called it a day because I save them up. I don't always watch them in real time. I gave the show a round of applause after the finale. This is literally two drunk older broads who are here for a good time, not a long time. Yeah. And they are goofy and silly and narcissistic and delusional. And it is just a great fucking time. It's the simple life with Sonia and Luann. It's perfect. The new Housewives of New York, let me say, I was ready to hate. Do you guys know how I feel about my Roni? And I have to tell you, I think they did. Mwah, 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 mwah. A beautiful job. I love the cast. Even the ones I don't like, I think it was well cast. I think it is in 
insignificant, silly, fun. We've gotten to this point with reality TV. The moment they came for Jen Shaw in the Beauty Lab parking lot, it was like, this is what reality TV is. Reality TV has been elevated into this place that is almost impossible to replicate. So it was so nice to see this show go back to its basics and just be about a group of women who have stupid little issues with one person not having enough food at their house when they have people over. <laughs> I mean, so good. Or being ungrateful for a beautiful silk slip. And also, Jenna Lyons. Love her so much. Always have. I just love having access to her home. Jenna Lyons, come on our show. We would love that. Yes, and I applaud Bravo. They have knocked it out of the park with these two shows. The Barbie movie. Great. Well done. So good. I cried. I laughed. Yep. I cried way more than I thought I was going It was to. so good. Yeah. I was here for it, but I was surprised and more in love with it than I thought I would be. Me too. God, Ryan Gosling. Talk about perfect casting. Those two. Everything. Yeah. Ryan Gosling just rode that line so well. He can do so many different things. He can do La La Land. He can do the Barbie movie. And then he can do things like The Place Beyond the Pines, which fucking shook my soul. Or that Blue Valentine movie. Oh. Oh my God, Blue Valentine affected me so hard. He is so good. But Margot Robbie is incredible too. The two of them, talented actors, beautiful people. Brava. Hats off to ya. Righteous Gemstones. I haven't watched it. I don't know if I'm gonna like it. I think Lee will. You, I'm not totally sure. I love the show, but season three really was the best one, I think. It had more heart than it's had. It is a great show. God, I have so many feelings about this next one. The Kanye Kim divorce documentary. I haven't watched it. Can you tell me all about it, please? Because I didn't know if it was worth my time to watch. It is. It's the one on Max, right? Yes. I'm only two episodes in. It goes through one side and then the other. You and I have talked about how we were huge Kanye West fans. And we gave him a lot of leeway until the Jewish comments. Even when he started with the, like, slavery was a choice. I think that's kind of when we were like, hmm. What? He's tricky. I'm going to continue to say that I think he's so extremely talented. And I feel very sad for him that he is mentally ill. I really see it from both sides. I feel bad for both of them. I feel more bad for Kanye than I do for Kim, to be honest with you. Same. I'm not bipolar, but I do understand the feeling of being medicated and not feeling like your most creative self. And that feeling of being a little bit conflicted about, do I want to live with good mental health or do I want to feel creative? Yeah. Is part of my creativity part of the reason why I'm depressed? And what if I get rid of the depression? Am I not going to be that deep of a thinker? I feel that for him. And the death of his mother, he blames on himself because he paid for the surgery. He was raised by that single mother. You and I have very strong connections with our parents. God forbid, I don't know what would happen if something happened to my mom. I might lose it. Same. And I am not as mentally ill as Kanye. I think that he really did want a love. Family is really, really important to him. I also think he's horribly mentally ill. And I think Kim is a puppet of her mother. I think that there is a trauma bond or trauma experience happening with her and her mother. I think that she's so far down the rabbit hole that she doesn't remember what it was like before. And I believe that she would really do anything to become famous. I do think she actually did really like Kanye, but I also think it was calculated. And I think the steps that she took in the marriage 
and after the marriage were both necessary to her career and horribly insensitive to Kanye. And I think that she doesn't know any different than putting her kids at fashion shows and leaving them and doesn't know anything different than making her kids sell things and be on TikTok and wear a gimp mask because that's what her mother would do to her. Her mother sold her sex tape for God's sake. If you can do that to your child, that's a whole other level. So she doesn't know any different. And I can understand how Kanye is like, I don't want my kids to be on TikTok. It's unsafe for multiple reasons. I was really anti-Kanye recently until I watched this documentary. And not that I'm pro-Kanye because I feel like Kanye is a horribly controlling person and that Kim is controlled by her mother. And then to also be controlled by Kanye was hard for her. And it did seem borderline abusive, but also it's complicated. I feel like it was an important thing to watch because it gave me empathy on both sides and also made me feel like, whoa, everybody's a mess. Yeah. Okay, switching gears. Adam Sandler just came out with a new movie. I want to see that. It's so cute. It's on Netflix. It's called You're So Not Coming to My Bar Mitzvah. The star of the movie is his younger of the two daughters. Obviously, both daughters are in it. He is in it, but it's about this 13-year-old girl going through the steps to get bat mitzvahed and her relationship with her friends and boys. It is such a cute little coming-of-age movie. He came off so cute. His his daughter was actually a very good actress for a little 13-year-old girl. If you just want something lighthearted that you can watch with your kids, just very enjoyable. Matt and I did the comeback because I've never really given it a chance. Oh yeah, I've never watched it. I so enjoyed it. I've watched the first episode numerous times being like, I'm gonna get into the comeback. And I guess I just never really got past that first episode. You really have to get through like the first three episodes of season one. Season two is so much better. It ends so well. I Cried. I feel like we know Lisa Kudrow has been part of great things. I have mixed feelings about her. You won't after watching the comeback. Okay. I mean, people just love her. Because of the comeback, I think. She is fantastic in it. There's so much heart and still so much comedy. I've already talked about this and it's not new. The Last of Us. I still haven't done it. You gotta watch it. It's so good. It's everything good about storytelling. And yes, it's about zombies. Who cares? It's really, really good storytelling and done so well. And I do like some sci-fi kind of things, but regardless, it's just impeccable storytelling. And the actors are great. And I'm going to double down since I've already talked about that and say Beef. Beef was so good. It didn't capture me enough. Keep going. Yeah, I'm going to. And I know you like The Bear, but I can't watch it. I'm triggered. I didn't love this season as much. I still thought it was pretty incredible. Jamie Lee Curtis is rightfully so getting a lot of attention for her performance in this season. It was good. It just didn't have the same heart that the first season did to me. I will tell you, Sammy's sweetheart is back on Jersey Shore Family Vacation, (laughs) and I know so many of you don't watch it, and rightfully so. It has just been season of crap after crap after crap, with maybe a couple of highlighted moments. When she came back, I cried. I cried. (laughs) I love this cast. You and I are Jersey people. We understand the mentality behind this group of people, and that's a cultural thing. So to see her back and see how everyone was just happy to have her back. I actually cried. I was so happy that they were back together. Oh my God. And then they made their peace. That's so you, Ashley. I know. And this last episode, there was a prank where they basically made people think that the UFOs, the mothership came. (laughs) 
Dina and Snooki are crying trying to get home. Dina leaves the house. She's like, I'm going to walk home. And everyone genuinely believes the mothership is there. It was so funny. I hope the rest of the season continues this way because it's very enjoyable. The book that I have been reading and nursing is called Unlikable Female Characters. It's all about different female characters throughout TV and movies and film. And it is just such an interesting analysis of why playing a certain role over and over again has ruined certain people's careers. If you're at all into feminist issues, nonfiction, TV and film, it's for you. And lastly, the other thing I have been obsessed with taking in is Bethany Frankel hate. You guys know I love Bethany and it has all in the past few months just gone completely downhill. I think she's unhinged. I think she's out of touch. I think she is Trump. I will put money down right now. She's going to run for president. I will put money down. She won't win. She is a woman. And if there's one thing people hate more than women, it's really strong women. It's true. She will run for president. Believe it or not, there is some ulterior motive behind all of it. I'm trying to figure out what it is. I did a TikTok about her interview with Rachel and the Bethany started following me. She liked the video. I talked shit about her in the video, but she liked the video and started following me. And I was so scared and honored and conflicted. Any update with that? No updates. I thought for sure I was going to get sent a cease and desist like she did with Meredith Lynch and another creator. Nothing, but she still follows me. And I am just fascinated with trying to figure out what's going on behind the scenes with Bethany. Anyway, that's our list. Share us your stuff. Although I'm going to have no life on Thursday. Maybe someday I'll have a life again. Hashtag swag bag. It'll be nobody's shock that I'm going to talk about Drew Barrymore. When Drew Barrymore was basically stalked at this 92nd Street Y, our old producer, Nick, shout out, Nick, we miss you. Nick was like, I know it was you, Carrie. Stop lying. (laughs) (laughs) And as he texted me that, I was in the midst of reading her book and I was like, Nick, I mean, you're not wrong. I had gotten Wildflower, which is Drew Barrymore's recent story essay, somewhat recent. She wrote it during the pandemic. I had gotten it out from the library and I think started to read it and then life got busy and then I had to return it. And I don't think I finished it, although I'm not sure. And then when we went to go see the Drew Barrymore show, I bought all her books and brought them because I thought that I'd be able to get them signed. We couldn't. This weekend when I was at the beach, I was like, this is going to be my last time to read for pleasure because then school starts and I will have zero time to do anything but read for school. So I brought that book out and I started to read it. The first two chapters, I was like, I think I've read this before. But then as I got to the end, I realized that I had not finished it. I just want to say, even if you don't love Drew Barrymore, I mean, I very obviously love Drew Barrymore. I just love her. She's been my go-to idol. And I don't use that word lightheartedly. One of the best idols anyone can have. Even when we had Joey Cola on, I know some of the hosts he's worked with and I know for a fact he's not lying about those stories. So for him to speak so highly about Drew Barrymore, it solidifies how wonderful she is. As a person who has been through some adversity, nothing like what she went through, but I've always used her even from a young age. I have used how she deals with adversity in her life and what she does with it as my guidepost of how I should do it. I'm just like, you have a choice. You can take your lemons and make lemonade and share the lemonade or you can have a sour face, right? Yeah. Just the way that she has handled herself with nothing but utmost grace. They make fun of that video where she stands out in the rain and she's like, the rain is amazing. But I think people make fun of it in a different way than they make fun of other things. I don't think people are making fun of it in a way to be like, 
oh my God, what a fucking loser Drew Barrymore is. And she is really like that. This is not a put on. Right. I think people gather that she is this person. I think most people are taken by the pureness of her heart. And I think people admire, like you, how this woman has chosen to find true joy and gratitude in life's little pleasures. And that even in this book, she talks about all the stuff that her mother didn't do and the stuff that her mother did do. She thanks her mom at the end of the book. Her dad, who was also a menace, talks about how he was a menace, but also gave her a lot. And I try to look at my life that way and say, you know, all the issues I have with my dad, if I didn't have that dad, I wouldn't have the kind of empathy and care that I have now. And I have his genius and I have his troubles, but I've just done something different with that. It is just such a truly inspiring book. It's like a guidebook of how to live. Listen, it's not a Pulitzer Prize winning book. It's not that deep. It isn't. I love you. It's not that deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not the corrections. It's personal essays where she is just herself, where she talks about her flaws. She talks about why she is the way she is as best as she can discern. One of the poll quotes that they put on the cover is like, we're all rooting for her. And it's true. We're all rooting for her. In this world where there's so much going on, her very distinct viewpoint of things and how she frames things, it's just a really good way to live. So Drew Barrymore, I love you. And I only want the best for you. And I've always been rooting for you. And someday, I really feel like we will actually be friends. Our paths will cross. I just have a feeling our paths will cross. So mine is Portray.me. Portray.me, it started as an art project. And I think now it's a group of artists, if I'm correct. And what you do is you send in pictures or words or video or something that you want represented in a piece of artwork. And they're hand-drawn. They also scan them in, but they're hand-drawn. I had been following them for quite some time, just quietly planning, like, one day I'm going to get one of these commissioned for myself. And they reached out to me on their own and said, we'd love to make you a piece if you're willing to talk about it. My God, you're an influencer. I guess. And I was like, yup, absolutely. So I sent them, these were words, New York City, Adam Sandler, Real Hustlers of New York, tequila, power suit, New Jersey, my favorite place is my bed, fashion. And then I sent them two pictures, one of Clementine and one of me, Matt, and Sebastian in Spain. And what a beautiful piece they made. I love it. I feel like it's like me in a piece of art. Ever since you got it, I'm like, what would my words be? I don't even know. Even now that I had it done, I'm like, how did I not think about this? And how did I not think about that? And this would have been a better representation of me. So I plan on going back to them. In fact, I have something that I can't discuss on the show that I'm going to have them work on. They told me to please share with all of you guys code MOMTOURAGE for a percentage off. I think they're kind of going to use their discretion, but hey, we'll take a discount, whatever. And it is absolutely worth it. I love this little piece of art hanging in my closet, in my clothis. Clothis. That's what I'm calling it now. It's my clothis. Because it is. It's my closet in my office. But yeah, it's portray.me and I would reach out to them probably via DM more than anything. Also, another reason I love that character from In Just Like That, the one woman with the miscarriage, is because she has a office also. She does her work in her closet, which is five times the size of mine, but still great minds. Well, there you have it, guys. We love you. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe or follow. We are out here on our own and these things really, really matter. We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at hello at momtouragepodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Momtourage Podcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. 
So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is a Cafe Mom podcast written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at Mama Drama Band or MamaDramaBand.com. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.